0: Another extraordinary message on Gil Athletics Connections. Well, welcome to the show. If it goes to appreciate the coach, the ones who point people most, Every season needs a voice of reason, speaking the growth. Got to prep for you, carry the load. It's coffee to the soul. For those of us who stay on the go. Proper handoff to stay in the zone. What you packing for the road. There's more than one way to the go. Take notes, that's paying your toe. It ain't practice if your purpose ain't clear. It can't happen to you listen with both ears. You can't mentor without a mentor. Here's of, of experience. You can reinvent those years. Every plan's got a standard to live up to. And the price sacrifice. Can you give up you? It's a choice and a fight not a win or lose it's not a ploy but vice so y'all can make more moves it's not about how to it's all about why you don't know till you know who you are inside six million ways to tie choose none so we all cross the finish line the work ain't done so we learn from the experts we all got to put in the legwork guild athletics use a network it's all about connections put together for the profession to every track coach could be blessed
1: All right, welcome back to the Galathetics Connections podcast. We're so glad that you're here today. I am just so pumped uh, to bring you another amazing coach from around the country. You know, this is episode, gosh, this is episode 204. And so I, I just want to give a little bit of encouragement. If this is your first time listening to the show, you notice we're at episode 204. That means there are 203 other amazing people and groups of people that have been on this podcast, I'd encourage you in the podcast app that you're listening to right now, or if you're uh, watching on YouTube, go back and look through episode one, five, 10, 66, 142, 199, look at some of the others. I guarantee you there are some other coaches and we've had coaching staffs on here before that will, uh, will challenge you and encourage you in what you do uh, as a track coach or as a track athlete. And so speaking of that, we're going to get to today's guest. Help me welcome the head coach of Catawba. I, I made sure I pronounced it right. Catawba College. I hope they're, I didn't look at the mascot. I love mascots. I hope we're like the catamounts or something like that. We're going to find out here soon. Help me welcome the head coach of Catawba College, Mr. Jason Bryan. Jason, how are you, sir? Good. Good. Thanks for having me. So, What is it? Catawba. It's got to be something with a C, like cougars, catamount, something.
2: Yeah, we're getting started on a hot one already. It is the Catawba Indians currently. Um, oh, so yeah, mm. but we have we have a, a relationship with the Catawba Indian Nation down in Rock Hill, South Carolina. It started the college started in Catawba County, um which was named obviously after the the Indian Nation. Mm-hmm. But uh we have a very close tie with the Catawba Indian Nation, so we're allowed to have that that yeah. name. Um but we are also working on like a kind of an animal mascot right now. We've changed the, some branding recently and I don't, I don't know. Well, they'll, they'll let me know what I can put on my uniform. <laughs>
1: yeah. I was going to say, I'm going to go on a limb and say you as the track coach, cross country coach, you, you don't get to speak into that very much. You just get no. to go, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. All right. We'll wear this. <laughs>
3: yeah, exactly.
2: Exactly. But we, yeah. uh, yeah, we're, uh, yeah, we're, um, you know, in a, uh, I think in a situation where, um, we do have that relationship with the Katabian nation and, and we, uh, you know, are very grateful to, to have that name. And, and I think it's, a. Uh, you know, we want to honor them as well when we start uh, looking at mascots as far as animal mascots, things like that. So we, we're gonna to talk to them about what would honor their uh that that specific Indian nation. And I think that um, you know, I think we'll we'll find that out when they when they when they tell me. So
1: yeah, that's exactly right. I love it. Well, that's good. Well, I'm glad we just we hit the hot button right off the bat. That's good. Yeah. Cool. No, no more controversy yeah. at all the rest of the time here. Well, Jason, uh, super excited to get to know you a little bit better and learn your journey in this great profession of coaching track and field. Uh, I start this, uh, the all these interviews kind of in the same vein with the kind of the same question, you know, Jason, uh, assuming that you were an athlete, at, uh, whether it's track or other sport, at some point in your life, coaching changed for you. It went from, in your mind, something that was done to you, go run this, go lift that, go throw this, et cetera, to, uh, to an idea of like, oh, wait a minute. I could be a coach, like I love this coach, or maybe you, you dislike this coach. And so I want to do the opposite of what this person does, but somewhere it had to change and be like, Oh, this could actually be a profession. Where does coaching begin for you in that thought process?
2: Yeah. Um, so I, I did, I did compete in, in college um, distance events, mid distance events at, um actually at Anderson university in South Carolina, who is in our conference um, yeah and we compete against regularly. Uh, and they're, they're a very good program. Um, but, uh, I would say probably my junior year in college, um, I was named team captain, um, and, um, my journey, I wasn't very good in high school. I got a little better in college. I was never, you know, a national class, you know, kind of athlete, but I, I got better in the conference and contributed and I enjoyed that process and, 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 I think my senior year we lost our distance coach going into my he 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 ended up leaving going into my last semester and I kind of coached myself slash helped coach some of the guys on the team and um I enjoyed it and they you know they listened to me because I've been the team captain and uh, um so that kind of started me thinking oh, I could I enjoy this and and I I I really latched onto the sport and I fully you know I was all in in college um and, um, and so I, I wanted to stay in it and the, the way I could stay in it, you know, was not to compete at the pro obviously, but would be to, you know, I, I you know, stay in it in coaching. And, uh, I, I tell people I never left college, you know, um, I still, I'm still in college environment. I'm still out of college every day. And I, I enjoy, I enjoy the aspect of the, you know, the, the college athlete and, and mm-hmm. this time in their life. because um, what you kind of you're figuring out who you are and if I can be a part of that and help along the way then that's that's what I enjoy about it and I think that's all that as an athlete how much it changed me and I think I that I, I love being a part of that now
1: you know something the way you said something kind of hit me and something I've kind of worked towards when I talk to coaches pardon me uh, if if you've talked to me at the convention before or at other places you've heard me and I think I've done it here in the podcast too, I rail against the word just, right? Sometimes they'll say, oh, I'm I'm just a track coach or I'm just this. And it's like, oh, you're, you're devaluing yourself when you say just, right? Something you said there, and I've heard it quite often, the way you just described yourself when you talked about being an athlete and you said, oh, I wasn't a national qualifier, you know, anything like that, you know, but I was, you know, so I got better and things like that. You kind of devalue yourself a little bit there, Jason. And what I say that is, you know, you were a track athlete. First of all, how many get to compete? How many track athletes get to compete in the college level? This many, this many, very, very small. So you are right off the bat by running in college in a very select group, my friend, just by running track, even though it's the most participated sport on the high school and collegiate level. Think about your high school. There were, depending on how big it was, there were hundreds of people who never had the, the chutzpah to go run track. So you don't devalue You ran track, period. That that right there is enough of a qualifier for you, uh, whether you want, if, and there's so few winners. There's so few conference champions and national champions. That's not your worth is whether you were first or not. Your worth is that you went out there and you competed. You put yourself out there, my friend. I I have a kid that just ran his first uh, middle uh, sixth grade track. And so I'm dealing with this in a whole different light now of, of who our identity is, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, it's okay that you're not the, the fastest kid. Today, by the way, <laughs> you're in sixth grade for crying out loud. But, you know, you, you know, it, it's not who your value is. So sorry, I, I want a little rant there. When you described that, I was like, oh, no, no, Jason, don't 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 put yourself don't compare yourself to what other people happen to have done. You're awesome, man. You were an athlete. That's awesome. And you're an athlete on college. I love that. And you're an athlete at Anderson, which I love because they just redid their facility. Uh, you know what, two years yeah, just, soon. Yeah. And yeah. we were so honored to, to choose that. And I love the design that they did for all their equipment. They did an amazing, amazing job there. So uh, shout out to your uh, your alma mater, man. They, they did an amazing job. Yeah. So what did you, I'm going to step off my soapbox here. <laughs> what did you go into college thinking for a career? We all think something, whether it's going to be fireman, business owner, bank clerk. I don't know. You didn't go in thinking you were going to be a coach. What was the plan when you went to Anderson?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I was the quintessential athlete who waits until midway through sophomore year, which is when the NCAA makes you (laughs) um, to, you know, figure out what I wanted to major in it. But I, I literally, I think I had at that point you you kind of go off your you know mentors and influencers and things like that and i i had a really good english teacher uh my freshman year and i enjoyed the that side of it maybe in journalism or something like that but um my dad and i had a conversation about it and he was like you know i don't know what you're going to do with an english degree and all this (laughs) and so it came down to you know pretty much a general business degree is what i went with and i you know you Can do a lot with that, um, and uh, so I, I you know, I, I had a business degree, and I, I think business management uh, was a specific degree, and um, figured out very quickly accounting was not for me. <laughs> um, I did like, and this kind of maybe was foreshadowing a little bit, I love the leadership and mm-hmm. the uh, marketing to be honest with you side of things, mm-hmm. um, which and we can talk about this, you know, later too, but um, it's funny how things down like start to show you kind of, um, and things that you worked on in the past, come back and help you later on in your life. And, and, um, you see that like, oh, they taking that marketing class and really diving into that, mm-hmm. the recruiting, it helps with, you know, marketing our program and our school and my, you know, your mindset for that. And so, um, business was my degree in, in college and I, I ended up getting my master's in business as well while I was there. And, uh-huh. um, so You know, hopefully being a resume sorter one day, you know, um, put me in a different pile of of resumes. But um, it, uh, yeah, it it, it helped me more than I realized looking back,
1: you know, major. You're touching on that word leadership, which if you're going to be a coach, whether you are great at the X's and O's or not, you have to be a leader. You've got all these eyeballs staring up at you wanting to know, what do we do next coach? So uh, I loved uh, speaking about that topic. It's a natural topic when we're talking uh, to and about track coaches and it started, well, not necessarily started, but one of the examples that you gave was in this junior, senior year, uh, first of all, be a named team captain. uh, And then as you know, there's a vacancy on the coaching staff and you kind of fill the void there. Where did that, you know, not, not, not everyone can do that. Not everyone wants to do that by obvious that not every one of the people on your cross country team became team captains and helped coach the team. Right. And, and it doesn't make them more or less of a person, but where did that, um, want for you come from? Uh, was there a high school coach that you emulated? Maybe it was the coach that left. Where, where did that kind of, that vision, someone has to kind of, you have to see it kind of first to do it. Where did that come from?
2: Yeah. I, I don't, that's going pretty deep I don't know if I've thought about exactly where that came from but uh, I loved sports from a very young age my um, my dad um, was a very good high school athlete he didn't compete at the college level there weren't as many opportunities I don't think um, back then but um, yeah I mean I just I grew up doing almost every sport there was um, and I From a very young age, this is kind of this is very specific. But I, from a very young age, my plan—I'm playing football at the University of South Carolina. I was raised as a South Carolina fan, which was not an easy life.
1: Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's much better today than it was. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, in the
2: nineties it was rough. Um, But uh, yeah, I was—I was so dedicated. I remember going on the playground and like, and to be honest with you, I guess I had—I don't uh, know—the ability to kind of wrangle everybody together on the playground. Like, this is what we're going to play today, and we're going to you know act like we're running out of the tunnel at South Carolina like the kids would do it on the playground and like I don't know if I maybe forced them to do it or you know I suggested it strongly but um from a very young age I liked I I I was very I loved Rudy was my favorite movie like you know I I loved that like sports and just it, it I don't know It was very inspirational to me and and I think um maybe that's why i just was like oh i just want to be in this lifestyle and and um i do think stepping into the role of team captain and we we you know, i was team captain my junior year and we ended up winning a conference championship that year and uh it was just the whole season was just uh i mean it was amazing and i think that really solidified kind of um burned that into my consciousness that like this this is that was fun and i enjoyed that and seeing everybody maximize their potential and doing it as a team. And, you know, um, you know, those guys still talk to them on a weekly basis, you know, 20 years. And, and and so it's, that is something that um, I wanted to be a part of. uh, And I think maybe that was what thinking back, that's kind of what um, really got me into the, into the coaching side of things.
1: Well, shout out to South Carolina football. Uh, Shane Beamer was actually a GA at Mississippi State when I was at uh, coaching at Mississippi State, so I got to know him a little bit as a as a youngin uh, and was just in awe more because of his dad, <laughs> to be honest yeah. with you. But uh, but obviously doing something right. Uh, well, not- coaches,
2: coaches, no coaches. And I think you know, outside looking in. I mean, I don't know the day to day. I don't know what he how he interacts with people on day. But you see those guys respond to him. Yeah, they love him. And he's doing something right. And he it, is investing. And if you can tell, they love him.
1: It's probably the hype videos that he does.
2: That, yeah. <laughs> he, he also he seems to really, really genuinely care about them. And then yeah. I'm not saying there are coaches that, you know, there's not saying that other coaches don't, but you can really, he's very authentic. He's very, I think he's very vulnerable. He puts himself out there and in those hype videos. Um, yeah, they, right. They appreciate that, yeah. I I like a guy
1: that can. I like a guy who can put himself out there and let people make fun of him. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, that's authenticity, right? I mean, I I quite like that. You know, not trying to paint this curated, perfect SEC head coach uh, image, if you will. But it's like, man, I'm just, I'm shamed. (laughs) I grew up a coach's kid, and you know, we're speculating a lot, of course, uh, on him. But uh, I I do, I do quite like that, and it must work because they got that super stud uh, sprinter football player, Nicholas Harbor, I think is his name. Oh my. I can't wait to see this kid, man. Oh my! That, that's there's there's few people that come out of high school that's like, you know, if I don't have a connection, like I'm gonna watch their career. It's like, well, this kid, I'm gonna watch his career. So that that's exciting. Sure,
2: Curtis, sure Curtis is happy about that
3: too. Yeah, I, I, it, I,
1: I haven't heard him. I haven't heard him complain about it. That's for sure. <laughs> well, Jason, so when you. Be, you know, team captain, and going into the senior year, and you start filling kind of a coaching void there as well, and and maybe that's when the the coaching bug really solidified itself. Did you did you do anything different as it relates to the workouts? And I don't mean X's and O's. We don't talk X's and O's. What I mean is, again, you know, freshman year, sophomore year, even junior year, coach wrote the workout for you and you did it, and maybe you asked, well, why are we doing this? And why are we doing this on the next day? And those kind of things. But then when you go into coaching. Uh, And it may not happen from the very get go, especially as a college senior, but some point in coaching, we start going, well, I need to learn more. I know this is what I did, but I need to learn why we did that and maybe why we shouldn't have done that and what I should do here. Did you start looking at the workouts differently at any point or was it still just like, all right, I'm a runner. What's the workout? All right, let's go run the workout.
2: Yeah, at that point, it was still kind of like we're doing what we've done, what's Mm -hmm. worked, And like I was in that world of like that's the only thing I knew um, was what we had done at Anderson. And it had had been working to to my, I mean, I I thought it had been. Um, Looking back on it, it's funny the things that you, uh, why why did we do that? Or I can't, you know, I can't (laughs) believe we did that every week or, uh, you know, and and looked at the X's and O's now from that lens and like, like, I don't understand exactly why we did that. But but no, I think that came later um, because I actually ended up um, after I, got done. I had a, I was one of those, uh, you know, I needed to go a a little bit longer to get my degree. So I had to come back for another semester, (laughs) but I was done with eligibility. There was no COVID year or anything back then, obviously. So I I had to find something to do. So I ended up going over to Erskine College, which is 20 minutes away from Anderson. That is another division two program. And a buddy of mine who had ran at Erskine was, you know, they were like, Hey, you're here. We don't have a head coach. You're the head coach now. And he had just graduated and been the head coach. And so wow. like, Do you want to help me out and volunteer? Um, we had that vacancy at Anderson um, for our assistant coach who had left. And I was like, oh, I'm easily going to get this. Like my head coach is going to hire me. No doubt. Like I, I was the guy who thought he knew everything. I thought I knew everything. A young guy who thought he knew, uh, you know, everything there was to know about distance running and, um, and, and, my head coach ended up interviewing people and I'm like, that's weird. He's interviewing people and he interviewed (laughs) me and that's, you know, he's just doing that. Right. Right. He's got to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I brought you a conference championship. I'm like, you know, I'm just like head can't fit in the room. And um, he didn't hire me. He hired another guy who obviously had some coaching experience and um, it, you know, it really messed with me, but also, you know, made me mad um and so i was like yeah i need to go somewhere else obviously i'm not going to be here helping out and it's it was terrible because like all my buddies were on the team and like i had been their team captain and like we you know and um so i ended up going over to erskine for that semester and and driving over there like three days a week volunteering it was just a volunteer role um and we ended up beating anderson that fall in cross country on the men's side and
3: Uh and
2: uh it ended up not working out with that that coach that was in Anderson that had gotten a job. And so in January, come January next semester, my head coach was like, Hey, you know, we'd love to have you back. And um obviously it wasn't a good call with that other guy. And, and not to say that it would have been better necessarily than me, but um he's like, you know, we we do have a vacancy now and you know, we'd we'd love to have you back. And so, so uh, pause right
1: there. Pause right there. <clears throat> Cause first of all, I gotta thank you for your openness and And authenticity. I mean, you know, what some people don't maybe realize when they're listening to the podcast, there are no scripted questions. So, Jason here, there's nothing we've pre-talked about, nothing It's like, hey, Jason, make sure you talk about this or, hey, that was a great story. Make sure you bring this up. He gets to direct his own story. Like we if he killed someone in college, he gets to tell if he decides to tell that story or not. Thank God he didn't. I assume you did not do that, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they get to direct their own story here on the Connections podcast. So you didn't have to say that. I mean, and you were really like, it. it and we're going to explore this as we move along here, but there's obviously a lot of self-awareness that came to you because you were like, oh, I thought I knew it all back then. Yeah, you know, my head couldn't fit in the room. Now, those are the you know, things that you just said there, and people who still are like that today don't say that, right? They're like, "Oh no, no, I, I know what I'm doing. I can't believe that coach made the mistake and didn't hire me, etc., etc." You, you, you've gotten through some self awareness of like, "Oh, uh, yeah, I, I was a little, uh, you didn't use this word, but cocky or you know, over uh, overconfident in my skill." So, I, I first of all just. Totally thank you for, you know, being that complete transparent with us, because uh, that's the type of things that will help other people. Like there's other people listening today going, wait a minute, do I need to take a, a step back and look at myself? Is that, is that why I didn't get hired at this other job? And I thought I should have, you know, that that's, that's super helpful to the coaching body. So just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So now the real question, <laughs> as you, you just talked about kind of your mindset and the ego, remember ego is not bad. Bad ego is bad. Ego is what helps us to uh, dress nicer, uh, get more educated, take shots that we, quote, unquote, aren't supposed to take, things like that. So ego's good. Bad ego is bad. So you just admitted, you know, kind of you were in the bad ego spot at this point. You go to Erskine. You beat the team that you were, air quotes here, supposed to have been coaching and then in January, so after crosses all over, you win, you kind of a little bit of a little bit of the thumb and the you know, nose to the thumb, whatever they say, you know, to your coach, like, hey, man, look what we did over here, you know, I'm just volunteering over here. And then he comes to you and says, hey, that one didn't work out. You know, would you like the job? You've got a path here. <laughs> you could have easily, and I don't know, I didn't actually hear the answer. You could say, oh. Yeah. Now you want me. I'm no one second place. I'm no one second choice. I've heard those terms used a lot in our industry. Uh, yeah. and it's hurt a lot of people because they can't let that ego go. Or you could have said, Oh, thank goodness. I, I'd lo- I'd much prefer to coach at my alma mater. So, okay. Yes. I- I'll, I'll take the job at Anderson. W- what did you do when coach came to you? What was your mindset and your attitude as he was saying things that you knew, Hey, it didn't work out. Uh, and now we we'd like for you to take the job. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, well, I think part of the blessing was is that I had, you know, looking at it, I had very little to do with that Erskine team beating Anderson, uh, the head coach.
1: There's a lot of factors I, into those things, yeah, sure. It blew mm-hmm.
2: my mind when I got there. I'd only been in one one world in college and what we had done and what we had focused on and all that and, and it wasn't all bad but then when I went there hearing things about nutrition for the first time uh-huh. you know specifics about workouts and like how you look at your competition and you shouldn't care about that you do your thing and like I was like oh I've never thought about it uh-huh. and like hearing my buddy you know John Sell who was a great coach and um was a good runner um ex- you know explain those things we had long talks and things like that and like he was a a year ahead of me in school, you know, so not that much older, you know. So we were, um, you know, friends. But um, hearing him explain those things to me for the first time and hearing those things for the first time humbled me and showed me I did not know half the stuff I thought I did. Mm. Um, and so that 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 brought me into the room the next time with my my coach at Anderson differently, I think, and and with a different mindset and grateful to have the opportunity and not, you know, not expected. Be, vengeful about like oh you didn't hire me and so I that really never crossed my mind and the awesome. guy the guy had done a disastrous job at Anderson who he had hired and so like it was epically bad and so um it was and I had kind of heard that stuff that it had been going that way and so I knew it was kind of heading that way so hmm. in January like I was you know I was grateful to have the opportunity and um and work with my work with my friends and and you know, literally go back to the team that I was on and now I'm coaching. So um, that was an interesting concept. I think I I heard you uh, um, last week and I think the podcast came out with a young man who's in college wanting to coach. And that concept came up of now you're a coach, not an athlete. And I was at the same school, which happens a lot. But that was an interesting transition and um, um, to learn, you know, what a coach's role is versus a, a teammate. Yeah, um, but yeah, I was very grateful to have opportunity.
1: So yeah, that that's exactly where those next questions are going. Exactly right. Well, first of all, I'd, I'd love. I just want to point out to listeners: listen to the difference in words he uses when when he was applying for the job. When Jason was applying for the job for that fall semester, it was like, well, of course he's gonna hire me. I just, I brought you a championship, and uh, I've pretty much led the team this past year and things like that. And now the words Jason's using for this January opportunity is, oh, I'm grateful. For this opportunity. I'm grateful coach came back to me. Like, look look at the difference in just wording. That's how you can tell someone's where their mindset and their ego set is. It's what what are the words they're using? Uh, Expecting Expectation. You can have expectations for yourself, but to expect that you're going to be given this job, even though you may think you've earned it versus, oh, I'm, I'm grateful for an opportunity. Like, I hope. Like, I pray that I get this opportunity so I can prove myself, uh, but nothing's given. So I love the the different word choices there uh, as well. Um, it, it's also interesting to me, Jason, when you were applying for the job in the fall and you didn't get it, I, I can imagine, especially the way you described your ego state at that point, um, some ill will, you mentioned vengeance, you know, uh, you know, uh, I can't believe this is happening. What a mistake. Uh, okay, I'm going to go volunteer at Erskine, almost like begrudgingly, like I should be the uh, the distance coach at Anderson, but I'll go volunteer over here. And in, and in that moment, it's really hard for us to, to see that maybe this is the best thing that'll ever happen to us. And here, and only in a semester, that is a blink of an eye in our lifetime. In a semester, it changed you. It, it cha- I mean, it's obvious that it changed you and your mindset and your humbleness towards others, uh, whether it's athletes or other coaches or superior, you know, head coaches, et cetera. So, you know, and again, you know, hindsight is 2020, so we can look back now because we have experience and be like, oh, thank God I didn't get that job. Like thank goodness I was able to go to Erskine. Like you learned so much. Like I, I just think that's such a great lesson for us when you're in the moment. I know it's so hard when you're in the moment to go, okay, I know I didn't get what I wanted, but maybe I'm getting what I needed. I'm about to yeah. I'm about to need. And this that's what it sounds like this this semester at Erskine really was was for you. It's what you needed at the time.
2: Yeah. And it's hard to see in the moment. Um, and then that would happen later in my career too, that I would want this path, but this path is probably best in the long term. And um, and that's something that you try to impart to these, you know, people on your team. Is that, It's
1: hard. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Hey, look like this injury, this semester might be like the worst thing ever, but it's, it's maybe something that's going to make you so much more grateful for what you reach. Right. And, 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 you know, a lot of times they're like, oh, you're supposed to say that coach or whatever, but th- being able to give examples, like, look, this happened to me. And, and I think that's the beauty of like a senior athlete speaking to an underclassman, mm. um, and seeing that, like, oh, these guys are now mentoring the younger guys and on the team. and um, But, yeah, no, it, it definitely changed me a lot. And, Love uh, it. you know, I, I need I to haven't, – I haven't talked to John in a while, so I need to reach out to him and kind of tell him that we talked
1: about this and,
3: and
2: hey,
1: that's something that be grateful for. I'm going to ch- – it's, it's on recording here, Jason. Yeah. You yeah. need to reach out to him. Absolutely. That's 100%. That's so, yes, that's your homework from the podcast. See, you become a guest, you get homework. And so uh, maybe you don't want to be a guest on the show, right? All right. So one of my favorite topics to discuss is exactly what you, uh, described there. So one day you're an athlete, you're, you're playing Xbox with the boys on the weekend. And then the next day, and it was a semester later, but you know, a, a, a blink of the eye and now you are barking out orders. Hey, we need to hit splits in this. Let's go on this run. And you got to keep this threshold, blah, blah, blah. I act like I know how to coach distance runners, but I really don't. Uh, but you're still friends with you. You even said it. These are my friends. Like i yeah. I won championships with some of these kids, you know, some of the older ones. How did you or did you separate yourself that you're no longer Jason, the teammate of Tommy? Oh, now you're Coach Brian, the coach of Tommy. How did you do that? How did you how did you navigate that? Uh, did you struggle with that at all?
2: Um, I think looking back, I maybe did struggle with it and probably, you know, didn't separate myself as much as I should have at times but um yeah I mean I think I was a very I was a very pretty straightforward uh stern captain on the team um okay. had a nickname for me that I'll just leave out but oh, okay I've been that to coach that when I got the job so um and then I I tried to I was I kept people in line and I, uh, you know, they would say, you know, was a little obsessive about it at times when I was a captain. So, you know, not saying anything to like pump myself up, but I think they, they had that respect that like, okay, he really cares about this and, you know, saw that I did improve. And so they wanted, you know, I think they believed in what we were doing, but um, yeah, I, I, as far as hanging out and stuff like that, I did not, you know, do that as yeah. much for, sure. um, you know, um, we would, you know, the cafeteria had a meal plan. So it, it, was, it was great that we were actually able, after practice, I'd go to dinner sometimes and mm-hmm. sit there and talk and still hang out with a lot of the team. And that was what I think helped that team be very close. But um, other than that, yeah, I mean, I I'd kind of separated myself as far as like outside of practice a lot. Um, but it wasn't that difficult because I think I had set, uh, you know, a certain standard maybe as a, as a cap um, and kind of just went into that coaching role with it
1: yeah it's i, I can't imagine doing it i mean you're asking for 30 year old decisions out of a 22 year old you're like man yesterday i was that was my best that is my best friend still uh but there is a difference in roles and and uh, authority and, and responsibilities at that point so yeah it's really tough man that's i'm glad you're able to, to navigate that maybe a little easier than some of us uh others have done that so you get the job in January. You're back at Anderson. Uh, you mentioned you got a master. So are you doing grad work at, at this point, or what, what, what's the where are we at in the career actual career path?
2: Yeah. So I had actually um, started my master's right back up. So I I, I hmm. likened it to you know you just got off the mat from a fight. You know four years in undergrad, four and a half maybe for some, uh,
3: <laughs> and,
2: uh, and then you go right back in the ring. And like I just felt like I just got punched right back in the face again with hmm. homework. All this stuff, and and uh, but I uh, I got the opportunity to do that. We had just, they had just started a master's program at Anderson, so I all my business professors were the professors for that. So they had encouraged me, and and I was like, ah, yeah, let's let's do it. This. this is a smart idea to get this knocked out. And uh, you know, um, I, to be honest with you, I didn't. I wasn't a grad assistant, so I didn't get any help with that. Um, mm. I, you know, I got a small stipend, and I got to live on campus on like in a house, like a coach's house on mm. campus and uh and got a meal plan so that's literally I didn't get any later on, they would pay for grad since i I was too early to get that. but um, yeah, I started grad school, and then um I was working at a running store and things like that. and uh I actually did um uh, another throwback to the the most recent podcast, the young man i I did my level one when I was in college that's semester oh yeah so, um i I knocked that out. I went to Chapel Hill um and did that my last semester in college. And so I had done that already. Um, And uh, that next year, I would go to the coaching
1: convention for the first time. um, So so do you remember, you know, I have such a fondness for coaching education. Do you remember who your teachers were, your instructors at level one? It was, he was the throws coach at Clemson. Uh, No, he's, I know he's listening. He's going to beat me up.
2: Yes. It was uh, he was a jail man for a little while after that. He's coached high school after that a little bit. Um,
3: mm.
1: He
2: is fake. is it Maca? It's something like Mac- Glenn
1: McAtee. He is an awesome person. Thank you for jogging yeah. my memory there. We've taught uh, level ones before. Uh, we we've, we've roomated <clears throat> before at conventions and things. So I, yeah, that's why I was like, oh, oh no no, my I'm getting to a point something's wrong with my memory honestly it's 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 a little scary to be real honest with you um so yeah glenn mcatee great great human being a great instructor yeah yeah so glenn he he obviously didn't do your endurance who else did we have
3: yeah, andrew alden oh of
1: course yeah i love andrew yeah and uh see i was gonna say maybe Jed lauren yeah okay yeah that's yeah. awesome that's a great class and then you went to convention uh the following year where, where was the, where would that have been
2: uh, man, that first year was a struggle. Like, I it's funny, you go to those conventions early on, and you like, you see, the and I've always made this comment, this might make, make some people mad, but um, you see the people that are getting paid the most, everything's getting paid for it mm. at the convention. Going on expense for, it's, like it's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from the big universities. And the people who are making the lease, the assistant coaches, are paying their way to get there. Mm-hmm. I remember ordering pizzas to the room, and that's what I ate the first three days because I went to a class and they hadn't opened the, the meal situation. And I, I wasn't paying, I think it was $54 for a brunch at that hotel.
3: Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So
2: I ordered a bunch of like Domino's pizzas and I ate that for like two days straight. That was my meal. But I couldn't leave because we were out there. I think it was, I think it was in. I think it
1: was Florida. What so like what, year, I, what year would it have been? Uh,
2: two thousand.
1: Eight, nine, somewhere there. Yeah, so probably, probably the Florida. We basically rotated Florida, Arizona, and uh San Antonio. So, but I think you're Florida, I right? Think it was
2: San Antonio. I think it was San Antonio because I did yeah. fly there, I believe.
1: Okay, you, you, you know, you brought a great point there, Jason. You know, because I again, the convention is. I tell people it's like my Super Bowl. I mean, I just love it. I am in a hotel with a thousand plus coaches, track coaches. Uh, that can't go anywhere. <laughs> you know, it's all enclosed. And I love that aspect. I get to meet so many new people, reconnect with people. It It, it is my most favorite week in the whole stinking year. Uh, honestly, even over like college nationals and stuff. I, I truly love the convention for that aspect of one week, all coaches. We're just talking about life and their love and their passions. I love it. But you brought up a good point. You know, we get all in our own little bubble and you know, d- you know, everything's paid for there. You know, I'm, I'm traveling for 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 business and yeah. you know, other people are trying for business. So I'm, I'm expensing everything and I have to pay $54 for a brunch. It's, I don't like, I know it's not even my money, but I don't like spending that. But it's like, okay, what's well, what the, the option is? Yeah. It, I sometimes, you know, you brought up a good thing. I forget that there are people who are like, yeah, man, um, I paid for everything here. Yeah. Like, my, I, I'm paying for every meal here.
2: Yeah. So my coach ended up, uh, my head coach at the time, he paid for my registration, which is mm. a
1: huge,
3: Pretty mm-hmm.
2: big fee I mean, you got a college guy who's making very little money, yep, and eating on a meal plan and all that, and just getting into coaching. And then uh, I got a scholarship to the endurance specialist class. I mm. got a scholarship, and so that's great. But then they didn't pay. The scholarship didn't help you get there or right. pay for the hotel. And so I paid for the hotel, I paid mm. for the flight, um, and any food. And so like you're talking over a thousand dollars at that point when and. Yeah. For somebody who's making that's you know, that's probably one one eighth my you know yearly salary at that I, I
1: was gonna say, that's a couple of months of the salary, yeah. right?
2: Yeah. So and, you know, and, and that was and, and to be honest with you, my dad. I you know, I, I might get choked up a little bit, but my dad was a huge support through all this stuff, but he he ended up that was my Christmas gift, it was like oh, there. And so, you know, I mean that's that's something that I think about now and my assistance and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Uh, and shout out to dad, because I, I wasn't know I didn't know where you are going to go with that, because I could easily have seen you say, yeah, dad's like, hey, Jason, what are you doing? Like, go get a job. You, you're, you, you're working on a master's in business. You have a degree from a great university. Go get a job. Go to the bank. They'll hire you. Go do that. What are you doing with this track stuff? It's over, Jason. Come on. But instead, he doubled down because he obviously had supported you through high school and college and things like that. And he was like, oh, this is what you want to do? All right, man. I'll make it your Christmas gift. I'll I'll take care of you. And I, I that that's amazing. Shout out to Dad. Like what a, what a supporter well, of dreams and passions.
2: And he's definitely going to listen to this. So I'm, you know, I you know,
1: I know he's going to listen to this.
2: Um, he's been asking me all week. Like, what is it? what is it call? What is it called? Um, but we'll have at least one listener. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: There you go. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Uh, but uh, he. As much as many times as he did tell me, have a plan B, have a plan B, and I was like, oh no, this is it. I'm gonna be the best college coach ever. Um, as much as he did that, he also was, you know, supporting me through like not making a lot of money for a long time. Right. And you know, I was lucky, I'm blessed enough to have that family situation. But um, he, yeah, I and mean, he supported me a ton and 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 helped me get to where I am now. And and I think not a lot of people have that right. so blessing, um, but
1: um, as much as he did say, "Have a plan B," he he supported me. So. He supported Plan A though. I yeah. <laughs> love yeah. it. Yeah. So why did you know you're a smart guy, Jason? I'd love to explore. You know, you you um. Uh, you, Using a lot of resources, dad's resources, etc., your own time resources and money resources to go to this convention easily. Like no one would have blamed you if you said, "Hey, look, man, I make like twelve grand a year. I, I just can't afford it. When I can't afford it, I'll go. Absolutely, but you know, I just can't right now." But you did. What was the? Uh, why was that important to you? And, and now looking back, specifically at this first convention, what did it? Like, did it pay off, like whether it's networking or education or just understanding more about the sport and the profession of coaching? T- talk to us about why that was so important and and did it actually pay off for you?
2: Yeah. And looking back, I didn't really know it at the time, but I was kind of doing what I do now is you got to be a presence in this industry. Like, so like at that meet or at the convention or at this, you know, event or on this committee, like your name you know, if you want to get, you know, move up in the industry, you got to your name has to keep coming up as far as like, oh, he's here again. Hey, how you doing? You know, you know, the, the movers and shakers in our region, you know, as far as like the larger schools, getting to know those coaches and getting a relationship with, you know, cur- you know, Mike courtesy at App State or, you um, know, I, I was straight distance at that point. Um, you know, I was only in distance world. Which we all know, you're young. Your your throws coach are all throws. I need to meet all the best throws coaches. That's all that matters. I'm going to all the throws talks. It was years later at the convention when I started. I'm going to the hammer. You know, yeah, I'm, good for I'm, you. I'm, I'm yeah, to this and like you know, being a head coach that makes you open up. You're you know, you gotta you gotta sure. fill this role. You gotta fill this. But I think back then it helped me to kind of just I just kept showing up at things and and um, you know, oh, there's that kid again from Anderson. And I guess you know. Uh, he's going to be around, you know, because there's, there's coaches that move around and, you know, you he disappear. You see him one year and not the next. But, um, yeah, I think that was my big thing is that that was where everybody was at in the world uh, that I wanted to be a part of. And so I needed to be there, too. And um, I still make that explanation to my wife sometimes. Now,
3: we got to be there. Everybody's got to like, be there. They expect yeah, me exactly. to be there, honey. <laughs> why, why another thing? Why another weekend? <laughs>
2: I got to. Everybody's there. Um, But that's my that's and that's my thing with the convention now is that like you know it's near christmas i got young kids and you know I've, i i want to be there but then it's you know and so it's my it's my kind of i go back and forth every year Yeah. Now. so but um different stage of life um and yeah, I, I enjoy sure. a lot of aspects of it um but it is um yeah back then it was it was just a black i mean i walk in the room and like you said like you know holloway and you know, uh Vinland and like all these like, oh my gosh, oh, oh like, you know, and I'm just geeking out. And um, <laughs> you know, I, I I was definitely guilty of that. And wow. it, like all folks are the when they're young of like, wow, like that guy and this and you know, you do look at the, you know, you look at the polos. You gotta look at the polos. Yeah. <laughs> In the elevator, you're like oh, um, you know, and, and uh I so it was it was a blast. It was fun and um you know Got, got really familiar with Domino's Pizza, but I, I hope it,
1: was, it was really fun. I like how you brought up about you got to be there. You got to be seen. Uh, when this airs a few weeks ago, I, one of the podcasts that I also listened to is from a guy named John Acuff. He's awesome. He has a podcast, All It Takes is a Goal. I highly recommend it for you uh, for any coaches out there. And uh, the specific episode that I was listening to on the way in today uh, was like um, five great quotes or something like that. And One of the tangents if you will that he was going on was oh I know what it was is when when um these big time people like Steve Jobs Elon Musk and all these people say follow your passion he's like that's such a terrible advice he's like they, they'll it's all rich people that tell you that advice and they don't tell you that they actually worked in coal mining or smelting or you know they 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 busted their butt before they got to before they became rich and now get to go do their passions. Right. And what he was talking about is that the reason they say, go follow your passion is because no one wants to admit the effect of luck has on our, on our lives. Right. We, we don't want to admit, we kind of, you know, we kind of say, yeah, 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 luck, but we don't want to admit that sometimes we just got lucky. Now his real point here was about the more you work and the more you hustle, the more you learn, the luckier you get. We've all kind of heard that the harder you work, the luckier you get. Right. But I think that showing up that showing up is not just showing. you didn't just show up and was like, well, here I am, the kid from Anderson. Right. He was like, oh, I'm showing up and I'm going to the classes and I'm talking to my Peter group in the distance. Uh, and, and lucky things happen to you at that point. You get picked for this committee or you get picked for this or you get this job, etc. So uh, so I, I just kind of love that, like showing up, like I, I'm just kept showing up, kept showing up, <laughs> uh, volunteering. Can I help, uh, you know. Let's let's talk. I'm to learn more about how you do things as a head coach, etc. And you yeah. get you get luckier that way too, because you're you're preparing, you're doing the hard work. So I absolutely love that. And I think the convention is uh, phenomenal for that alone. You know, there's some amazing educational uh, seminars and, and talks from coaches that are awesome. Obviously, there's a lot of committee work and legislation things that are going on. But it's, I've always said it's the hallway talks. It's the sitting down at those tables and, uh, you know, oh, you're you're in my conference or you used to be in my conference or hey, did did you run against my team? Like I've seen you before. And and just having these conversations and learning about people uh, is, is really needle moving activities for your career and for you as a person. You, you you get to build up new friendships and, and stuff that way. So highly recommend convention. We're back in Denver this year. Uh, and spoiler alert for uh, anybody that knew that what we did last year, at the convention in Denver, uh, that either participated, thank you, or wanted to participate, thank you, or you should have participated. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we're going to do it again. We're going to do the uh, Connections podcast live at the convention again. So Jason, if you're there, you you got to pop in. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We, we've had an absolute blast doing a live podcast there uh, at the USTFCCCA convention. So okay, no more commercial. J- Jason, where are we at? So uh, you're at Anderson, you're doing grad work, you're not a grad assistant, you're paying for grad work. Uh, you're the distance coach. How long do we stay there? What's 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 where are we at here in life?
2: Yeah, so um, I actually ended up staying there. We, I was blessed to walk into a really really good athlete that they had recruited uh, after I was done and had gone to Erskine that semester she had started um, Whitney Bischoff from uh, Georgia and uh, she had come in and uh, so I kind of walked into coaching her and I you know being a I tell this to my my guys team now even though like um, I think really hard thing to figure out is is you're uh, an, uh, an athlete uh, not everybody receives coaching the same way that you did. Um, I I had no idea how to coach a women's team and Mm -hmm. I had never really paid attention to our women's team that much. I was really focused on our men's team getting better and, you know, that I was on and all that. So coming in and and coaching women for the first time, I had to learn their, you know, what's a fast pace, like what's good, what's not. And and Mm -hmm. learning the basics of that, but also just how to talk to, you know, and encourage, um, you know uh, a whole other side of the team, and um, and I think that you know definitely got off to rough start as far as like the workouts that we did because I, I pushed them way too hard, um, mm. and uh, made them do some things. And now I look back on, it, I'm like, golly, like that was a brutal workout. Um, but <laughs> um, she was one that I think you know you kind of look back and having like early success as a coach, I mean, she was one that helped me. You know, help her get to the national level and cross country, and be an American as a sophomore, and, um, and make it to nationals and outdoors and indoors over the years. and like um, kind of helped me figure out like, okay, I'm not not too bad at this. I'm helping. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm I think this is this is working to a degree. I, I think I'm can be successful in in this career, but she was she was a huge part of that and allowing to, to trust in me. and, um, she's in the Hall of Fame now at Anderson. We went back last fall in oh. the Hall of Fame. She's now in our conferences Hall of Fame. The first athlete at Anderson to ever be in the conference Hall of Fame Wow. that uh, um, still, she'll text me. My girls team made nationals this past fall, and had a text from her right when I got wow. in the van afterwards. Our wow. first time ever getting a team to nationals on the women's side um, in my career, and she was, you know, so proud of you. Like, you wow. Know, so. Um, but I was blessed to coach her and some very good athletes uh, while I was at Anderson. I was there for three and a half years. It so started in January and then I had three years, four mm-hmm. years. After that. Um, and we won, you know, won some conference championships in cross country on the women's side. Um, you know, Came close on the men's side uh, my last year. Um, but I got to the point where I, I kind of put an ultimatum on myself that I need to, I need to branch out. I need to experience something different. So mm-hmm. I've been at Anderson to some degree for eight years now.
0: Mm-hmm. Undergrad,
2: graduate, and coaching, um, and I loved it, and it was a place for me, and I, I very, I think I excelled there as a person. It was a perfect fit, um, but I needed to try something different and and branch out and experience something else, and so I, that's what I put an ultimatum on myself and started looking for jobs. Um, actually, College of Charleston uh, came up that they were needing a new men's distance coach. I thought would be you know it's it's a mid major division one, it's a, a level up, and Charleston uh from South Carolina originally so I know Charleston is a beautiful city and um again I had an ego a little bit going to it of like I could do better than what they're doing right now I mean golly they're not very good um I had no idea what their you know what you know restrictions they had as far as Mm -hmm,
3: scholarship
2: and uh yeah when I got there I figured it was a lot harder than I I thought but um Yeah, I mean, the the coach that had been there that was leaving reached out to me and um, ended up going down and interviewing. Um, And, uh, yeah, that was my next step. So I I moved on to College of Charleston um, in 2011, 2012, I think 2012, um, and went down there to coach the men's team.
1: You know, you just described one of the – when I look at the body of coaching – Track and field, one of the the problems, and that's judgment. You know, um, one of our you know, we we started with a controversial topic. Let's bring another one in. Uh, when you look at Let'sRun.com, <laughs> uh, you know, there's only one thread that I pay attention to on Let'sRun.com every year. It's a traditional thread, and it's the coaching thread because so I like to know who's going where and all that kind of stuff, right? And I am floored, and I know it's anonymous people. And so people are kind of talking out their wazoo because they can, you know, no one has a name there, but I'm floored when people say, Oh, I can't believe uh, such and such university isn't a national champion. They're in this state and they're in this conference and all they need is da da da, And they would win it all. And it's like, oh, you have yeah. no clue what goes on there. You don't know, honestly, if they have zero scholarships for distance, if we're talking distance here specifically, yeah. uh, if they have zero scholarships for there or uh, that they have no, that they're um, uh, a, a, a landlock like, like a, um, a cement university. So there's no trails and things for distance. Like yeah. It's hard to attract distance runners to those type of, of activities, places, et cetera. So it's just amazing how many people cast judgment when they have no idea of the situation, they have no idea, even let's take it another step forward. Let's say the university is perfect, perfect place, location, tons of scholarship for distance runners. You have no idea if that coach is going through things personal health-wise relationships, and that's why they haven't recruited to the level that they could or should or that they want to. It, It just amazes me that people think that there's someone doing the job and that that person is okay with mediocrity. Like they, like they think they're like, oh yeah, we're eighth in our conference. Well, oh, that's exactly where I wanted to be. This is exactly how things are, or I yeah. want them to be. This is perfect. And it's like every coach wants to do better, but especially in our sport, a lot of coaches are handcuffed, whether it's budget, uh, um, priority from the athletic department, uh, scholarship, etc. And it's just, it floors me when other coaches will judge someone else. It's it's just amazing to me. And, and at the end of the day, because we all think that those judgments are all about like they, they should be winning conference. They should be winning nationals, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, winning's hard. There's only one team that gets to do it. So yeah. to think that any, you know, there's what in division three, there's 350 division two. There's like 280, 290. There's 200, let's call it 300. There's 300 teams. Only one gets to win. And if you ask, the anonymous people on Let's Run at least, uh, the other 299 should have won. (laughs) Everybody should have won because they're the answer. If
3: they
2: were there, they would have won.
1: That's what I'm saying. They're the answer. Yeah, exactly. They're the answer. If I was there... We would do X and Y and Z and we would win it on. It's like, dude, you have, I mean, you talk about bad ego. That's bad ego. It's amazing to me. So, so yes, you're looking from the outside and you're like, oh, what's Division I? I I did the same thing, by the way. And I started coaching high school and moved up to Division one. In fact, I moved, my whole goal was to get to the SEC. And I thought, oh, when I get to the SEC, Oh, it's so much easier. Uh, like, it'll be easy. Yeah, exactly. When exactly. I went from Ball State to Mississippi State, so at Ball State, when I called a kid to recruit, I had to explain yeah. where Ball State was and you know, all this stuff. It's a great school. And it's like, I had to explain, unless I was calling Indiana. Actually, some Indiana kids I had to call and tell them who Ball State was. They had no clue. When I got the, blessed to have the opportunity to coach at Mississippi State, I thought, oh, no matter who I call, they're going to know Mississippi State. You know, we're in the SEC. We play on Saturday nights, blah, 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 and football. We're going to know. And most did. Not everybody, but most did. But then I still remember the very first recruit that I recruited. Great quarter mile. And set the indoor high school 400-meter record as a, as a senior. And I call him, and I was like, his name was Elsie. I was like, Elsie, so who are your top five? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at uh, Florida, Texas, USC, uh, and I think Baylor was the other one. And I was like, oh, crap. I mean, I literally – I still remember my heart just dropping. I was like, wait a minute. Mouse, Mouse the guy that – like, that's a mentor of mine coaching. like I, I, I He's on a pedestal to me. I, I got to go beat him for this recruit? Oh, wait a minute. I'm in Starkville. I got to beat L.A.? Yeah, I've got to beat Perennial Powerhouse, Texas.? Baylor quarter you oh it didn't get easier my friend it got harder like I, it was a real big gut check uh, punch to my gut and my ego of like oh you better all the hustle that you did to get here well you got to double it down and do even more hustle to win these kids to start Stark Vegas baby so uh, 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 it just the, the judgment to me is just the audacity of it is amazing so you get to the college of Charleston and then you learn all the things that are handcuffing College of Charleston, scholarship, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. How did that go as far as going into the next the quote unquote next level? Cause I don't, I don't really like saying D three, D2, D, you know, they're they're different levels.
3: Yeah. I'm yeah. not
1: necessarily now learning more about each level. I want to say uh, uh, another level, but it's a different level. So you go to the division one level. How'd that pan out for you? Little uh, little ego check or uh oh. Or did you go in and win the national title? Maybe you came in and win the national title. I don't know, Jason. Well, if you look back, we did not win the national title.
2: We um, <laughs> were trying to not finish last in the conference. He, sure, sure. Most
1: um, hey, uh, of us have been there, so I, we get it. We get that. There was
2: a little guy named Paul Trelimo in our conference that year. So I walked into that conference. Um, he, he was great pro. And so, uh, but yeah, yeah, and that will a lot. Yes. And I will always say that like, I, love, I love the guys at College Charleston that year. We – Definitely, I knocked heads with some guys. We had some, you know, some coming to Jesus talks. Um, but uh, and and my big thing too, I went into that job with what I had done at Anderson, and like it's because of me. We won these conference championships. I got girl go national. <laughs> I got girl go in, you know, in the 16th and blah blah. blah. I have gotten eight hundred, and that, and like I just went into it with this thought of like, yeah, that you know, thank thank goodness I'm here to to rescue this men's team. Um, and I, and I thought I had it figured out. And so, and I, and I, and yeah. And so it takes getting humbled again, you know, cause you go back to your ways sometimes. And so I remember I came in and I was very, like, I was trying to do things. I was trying to be flashy. Like I remember our head coach gave us a, uh, this Nike hat and it had the new logo on the side, but it didn't have anything on the front. And I was like, oh, nobody knows who this logo is. I don't want to put, and I think the the girl that I was dating at the time was working at a soccer shop that had an embroidery thing. And like, I was like, can you embroider Charleston cross country on it? And something little, I just wanted you know, people to know who we were. And so I did that. And like, I did a couple other things where like we were trying to get access to this property to be able to run on these trails. And I remember I went out there one day on my own and they ended up like coming out there and be like, what are you doing? And all this. And I got back to my head coach and like she sat down with me after a few months. and was like, look, you think you have all this figured out. You're going about this. You're at, you're, you're putting new stuff on the hat. You're trying to be special. Like, what are you, like, it's just, it's not working out. And like, we don't have to have you here next year because it is not working out right now. You're going to my head. And and a lot of it, it wasn't really intentional. It was just me trying to, you know, make moves and do things and, um, bad communication. And I think we misunderstood each other a lot, but, um, that hurt that conversation hurt to have and again i think it was how i received it and it's sometimes not how kids on my team receive those conversations but if you receive it in a certain way where you're like wow okay i messed up what did i do and reflect on it and say what did i do not like oh you're yeah you don't even know you know and i think that luckily i was at the point where i was able to reflect and because it hurt that conversation like it, i was like man i messed up like she's serious and like um that's not what I meant. And like, oh my gosh. And, and it ended up from then on, like we, I mean, we were on a recruiting trip and it was just her and I in a band for like three hours, going to the state meet and coming back. And we talked about goals in life and her, her path and coaching yeah. family and things like that. And like, we've got to know each other a lot better. And I talked to her on a weekly basis, almost every, every month, at least um, and ask advice on things and love seeing her now at at Beats awesome. and things, and that second year we went into it, it was a different relationship, and she trusted me more, and um, we had some more success, and um, ended up leading to my my next job, and and the probably the best recommendation letter I've ever gotten, as far as her saying that I don't want to write this letter. And that's kind of how she let it off. She doesn't. She said, "I don't want to. I don't want to leave." And well, and uh, so
1: we we almost titled the podcast the Gill can the, the Gill Athletic shout out. Podcast because I love shouting out other coaches. We keep saying her and well, we got to give a yeah. shout out.
2: Yeah, Amy Sego
3: She Amy was uh, Sego.
2: She um she's been at College Charleston for I think twenty years now. They they actually got a, a track, a municipal track built recently, and um she's you know grown that program a lot over the years. And and there are a lot of issues with having a downtown Charleston school mm-hmm. that has to deal with it. People don't understand some of the things that they go through and that they have to deal with it. You know, I mean, it's the most beautiful city in the US, if not in the world. I mean, it, it, and I think there's a tourist magazine that every year comes out and it's in the top three in the world cities. Right. To visit. Um, but that comes along with people coming there maybe for the wrong reasons, Right. be distracted. And, you know, it's it's difficult. It's There's a lot of challenges. People don't realize, like, oh, like, how do you not have success? You know, best right. city in the world. Right. A lot of things to do, then do track and field. Right. So, <laughs> um, and, and it's hard to keep focus, and we all know that keeping focus with this age group is already difficult. And so, right? So yeah. she's, she's she's been a great mentor. She is brilliant as far as like you know advice and and things she's seen and and um, administration and dealing with administration and you know mental health and all that stuff. And she's she's been a lot of help with me becoming a head coach and asking her advice and humbling me and thankfully working with me and not just firing me on the spot that day. Yeah. So.
1: But that's what I was going to say, you know, shout out to Amy. You know, we, we talk a lot about the positive impact that our guests, our coaches are making on young people today. Uh, and we've delved into a lot of the subject about how do we prepare assistant coaches to be better head coaches one day for the ones that do uh, a want to be there and then and get to get that opportunity. You know, what I love about that story with, with Amy is, you touched it right on there. It's like, oh, she didn't have to have that medium with you. You know, She could have been and when she was dead serious when she was like, hey, we don't we don't have to have you here. Uh, well, there were a lot of resumes when you applied. <laughs> we can go find someone else. Pretty simple. Uh, and That may be actually a sad part of our industry, but we, we won't tackle that maybe today. Um, but instead, like she trusted of like, hey, I'm going to have this conversation with you uh, and I'm going to trust that you're going to receive it and. Do better, and had that conversation with you, and, and uh, I, I just what a shout out because I mean this, the, Amy, what you did if you're listening, uh, what you did is you helped him become the person he is today, and the person that he'll become next season, and ten seasons from now, and twenty seasons. So what a great impact you made on a coach, which means he's having a greater impact on athletes. So, I mean, that's just a direct correlation, uh, kind of that family tree, if you will, people that she's affecting young people that she's affecting positively because she affected you positively uh, by having a very difficult conversation. I kind of think all interviews should be three hours in a van. I think that's how all all interviews should be. Like, let's spend some real time. We get, you know, 30 minutes to an hour with people on interviews and, you know, and, and you're in an interview. So, you know, okay, I'm supposed to say this, I'm supposed to act this way, all these kind of things. And in reality, if we would just be ourselves, both the interviewer and the interviewee, by the way, if we would just be ourselves and find out if we actually can mesh and do this job together or not, we'd be better off. It's like, oh, you know, you're a really smart guy we just don't jive. We've been in this van for three hours and, I did not have a good time. I just can't see us going on. That's the best thing for both of you. You get to go your way and the other person gets to go their way and tension didn't happen because you faked your way through an interview. So I I think, uh, it's all you head coaches out there that are interviewing. I highly encourage you three hours in a van with each of your, (laughs) interviewees, and you'll, you'll find the real assistant coaches that you, you should have there. So shout out to Amy, man. I love that story. That's a, that's an awesome, awesome experience. Um, where, I had a question. So where, how did it go as far as, you know, you, you started, you're continuing to work on your ego, man, which I, I love. Uh, the, you continue to work on your bad ego, which I love. You're continuing chiseling away there. Uh, after you spent your seasons there, where did we go next after that?
2: Yeah, so that was um, where, um, actually, I ended up, you know, the, the girl that I was dating at that soccer shop that had the hat for me, uh, ended up asking her to marry me, and we got married in Charles um and about six months later i had some uh, i kind of i was working at a, a fleet beat sports down mm-hmm. there um and was heading towards being a manager i kind of already was a manager but they were a newer store so they kind of hadn't named anybody yet um and they were going to be opening another store and they had talked to my wife and i about opening that store at a second location and that they'd have to, have to be full-time and uh so uh i had some resumes out at the time too and a larger Division One school and a smaller Division Two school in North Carolina, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I, uh, my my boss at the running store told me like you got to make a decision. and Is it coaching or is it you know or is it mm-hmm. managing a running? I mm-hmm. love I love doing that, and it had a lot of perks to it and it was fun. Um, but my shout out to my wife. Uh, she we sat down talked about it because we're in a new family, you know. And uh, she said, "Could you see your life without coaching? Or could you see your life without the running store?" And that made my decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up pursuing those two. I interviewed at that larger school. I interviewed here at Catawba. Um, I wanted that one at the larger school because their resources, and like you said, you're just like, man, is this everybody's going to know. They're going, you know, it's just going to be so much easier. And um, <laughs> it was, uh, you know, they had money and, and resources and I would have been the men's assistant like I was doing at college Charleston um and I made I was like top four finalists for that job and then I was a top three finalist here and then they they offered me the job here before I had heard back so they offered me the job here at Catawba to be the first full-time cross-country only coach that they have wow. ever had um and uh I ended up not hearing back from that larger school um for a while and and Amy Sego at College Charleston, who knew the athletic director here and had written a recommendation letter here at Catawba. Um, She called me. She's like, hey, the AD at Catawba called me and said, if you don't give give them a decision, you know, in the next two or three days, they're going to move on Um, because they had offered me the job. And I was kind of waiting on this better opportunity. Um, So I kind of pushed the other one. and I emailed that coach and he got back to me. I'll never forget. The email was very misleading at the beginning. Uh, I was like, well, I'm you know, pleased to tell you that I think you should take that other opportunity. And I was just like, oh, (laughs) and like, it was very misleading. The
1: first Uh, line, pleased to tell you, you're like, oh, hell
2: yeah. Yeah, take me out back. And so I'm like, I guess, you know, and and at the time I was like, I guess I'll go to Katawa. Sure. Um, Because it was uh, a jogging club, pretty much is what it was uh, when I got here. And so I ended up coming here and accepting a job at Catawba. We moved here to North Carolina. My wife didn't have a job when we got here and struggled to find one for the first couple months even um, at that time. And um, it, was, it was a difficult transition, um, but I got to make it my own thing. And I, you know, very quickly, I found out that that other job would have been very stressful and probably got me out of coaching. Um, they, did, they had won several championships in a row, and that was the main priority. For the head coach to say whoever comes in next we've got to keep this going um and they did not end up winning that next year and, and, you know that staff the person they had hired didn't stay and mm. um so it was a blessing and you know i got the job here i got to kind of make it my own we were dead last in the conference the first year uh, well we were second to last that was our one goal don't be don't be last and don't beat someone and so there was nothing but going up and so a lot of people, you know, you, people tell you that when you get the job and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You're trying to make you feel better. You get to make it your own. That's neat. You know? Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I did. And I got to kind of get things going and start that, you know, culture. And um, we got it moving in a good direction. Um, and we had some, you know, for the time, really good recruits come in for us and changed kind of the performance side. Now, the culture side took a little bit longer. Well, but.
1: And let's pause right there. Because I want to spend our last time on Catawba and, and because what you what you're doing there, you do in there, you're describing it aptly as very unique. You know, building the whole, you know, putting your fingerprint on it, building it up. But a lot of that is not just building. A lot of people think about that as just building. Oh, I got to recruit. There's a whole more more to it. Recruits, culture, uh, facilities, uh, again, priorities in the athletic department, etc. So I do, I want to spend our last time on that. So before we get to <clears throat> to Catawba and what you've been doing there and what you're doing today and what will uh, what you get that's got you excited in the future. Where are you? I always love to know about coaching education. You mentioned taking level one earlier. You've done conventions and gone to there. Where are you coaching education-wise? And when I ask that, I mean that both formally and informally. Uh, so formally, did you go on to do any level two? Uh, you mentioned you did USTF, CCCA, the endurance section, uh, maybe Altus, any of the formal ones. And then just as important, where are you at informally with coaching education, with mentors, someone you can call to uh, bounce ideas off of, whether it's X's and O's or, hey, how did you deal with this situation? I'm, I'm, I've got a tough situation over here. Where, where are you at coaching education wise for you as you head into Catawba?
2: Yeah, I, I think that was obviously Amy at College Charleston was a, a big mentor. Um, I had worked a couple of camps and App State. Mike Curcio was one of them that I I really kind of picked his brain a little bit at some of the camps and and, and some of his athletes asked you know a lot of what they do and learn some different you know different ways of going about it because not everybody goes about you know training and, and laying out the week and the the micro macro the same mm-hmm. way and and so. Um, yeah, I think uh, Mike Hershey at App State, um, and then uh, actually, uh, you know, a few kind of peers. Uh, um, you know, uh, uh, Carson Blackwelder at, at USC Upstate. Um, we kind of came through that all that together, getting head coaching jobs and stuff like that. Um, but as far as formal education, um, I did not do level two. It never really worked out to where I could mm-hmm. I could go for a week and. You know afford it to be honest with you and yeah. at that time and uh, i wasn't going to be able to pay for it out of this budget that we had here and uh, and uh so i did go to convention every year i took a few classes here and there at the conventions over the years with college of charleston because they did have the means to do that and that was a blessing that they were able to pay for me to get to those conventions and also take some classes so i took a few more um i think i took a couple like of the more general like program like like running the program, those courses with USDFC, Um, I think it was more generalized, like how to run a meet maybe and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I I, kind of was able that second year at College Charleston to take training over myself and make it my own and kind of learn from a lot of what Amy had done with the girls team. Um, and so I had evolved a little bit as far as that, but, um, you know, I think the mentor side was I, I had gone to Brevard distance running camp. I tried mm. to get places in the summer that like, you know, different than a level two would be they hire me instead of me paying them, you know. So <laughs> um, you know, that would be, you know, that would that was helpful. But seeing other coaches at these camps sitting around at night and talking about their teams and high school coaches being some of the most valuable insights because some of these guys that are, you know in the sixties and seventies that have been around forever and like uh, you know, I, I, you know, I was, I, I trained with Prefontaine, or I ran with Frank Shorter, or, you know, and hearing those stories, um, you know, I think going to these running camps in the summer and, and sitting down and having conversations like you would have in the band, but around a campfire or around, a, you know, the, the gym or something like that, you know, um, was valuable, was very valuable and uh, helped me kind of meet people and, and, and get mentors. So that's kind of where I was at at that point, going into Catawba and, uh, you know, my my old head coach at, at Anderson as well. Because when I got here, we, of course, you know, just first time head coach, just ease into it. We hosted conference my first year here. So I never hosted across the country in my life. Oh, dude. To, the second week I got, got here, and then we had to host conference at the end of the year. So my head coach now is coming to me for the conference championship. So that was unique and fun. <laughs> uh, we, I poked down a little bit about that. I mean, they crushed us. So that was easy for him to not worry about it too much. But uh, yeah, so that was a little bit of where I was at at the time.
1: So as you ease into Catawba here, as <laughs> you ease into hosting the conference meet right off the Bat. Yeah, that's a tough feat when you're a ten year veteran at your school, <laughs> right off the bat, my friend. Wow, you you probably were still trying to figure out where was the cross country course when you yeah, got no, there. Said, uh,
2: where's the, where do we get? Uh, you know, like, I remember my uh, the guy at the time. And things are really informal that here at the time, and he handed me like an envelope full of papers and sticky notes, and he was like, "Here's the guy for your T shirt. Here's the guy for trophies. Here's the contact for the park, and then here's the you know." So it was just like a bunch of sticky notes with phone numbers. Wow. I, I had to go out there and make those work, you know. So it was fun.
1: The good I'm, news is you survived.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it taught me. It taught me a lot, you know. And, yeah, and it was. And again, I got to make it what I wanted
1: to do. Yeah. So tell us what is the state of Catawba, um at that point. You mentioned, you, you know, yeah. you, you obviously have a conference meet, so you're in a conference, things like that. But track team, just a full staff? Is it just you? Tell us a little bit. Kind of set the picture of what Catawba is. What what, what year is this?
2: This was 2014.
1: Okay, so uh, to, so uh, almost 10 years, you know, nine years ago now. Uh, give us set the set the table for us. Give us the scene of what Catawba cross country track and field is in 2014.
3: Yeah.
2: Well, I always point, I have a picture in my office where I point to the first team I had up on the wall there. And oh, it was, cool. We had we had nine, we had nine athletes in the team total. We had four girls, five guys. So not a full team, not even able to build a team on the women's side. And I always tell people our number five guy was a linebacker that got kicked off the football team. Not kicked off, but he left the football team to join the cross country jogging club at the time.
1: But for real, the the, the linebacker.
2: Yeah, he was a linebacker. He was a good 225. Like oh. he. Was, <laughs> And and only thing bigger than his legs was his heart. Oh, he dude, you know, that's big, such a
1: coach thing. I love that. That's awesome. He's
2: got, <laughs> he still works here. He works at Catalpa. He's over like the volunteer, the volunteer coordinator. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I eat lunch with him once a week. And oh, very food. cool. Um, but uh, yeah. So I had just me. I ended up, you know, I had, you know, I was the only coach. I could drive a van, and we could get everybody in one van. So I didn't need anybody really. Um, and the school was needing to grow a little bit and use athletics to do that like a lot of smaller private schools do. Um, so they wanted me to come in and build the cross-country team up. We had no track team at the time. We had no track on the horizon. I, I heard it mentioned when I got the job, but um, you know that kind of was all that happened that first year. That's all I heard about it was when I first got the job. Um, so we went to some track meets in the spring. We could go to five since we didn't have a track program. And we did that. And um, I remember we first meeting I had with all the athletes, they asked me, are we going to the region meet, which is an all comers in cross country. So, you know, if you can make it there, you you go there. And the funny thing is that semester, first semester, I kept hearing from everybody on campus that all oh, the old head coach used to he he used to brag about how they had been to eight straight regional championships. They had made eight straight region championships.
1: And I was like,
2: oh, you just got to secure vans. That's all you got to do to get there.
1: You got um, to write the press release uh, that way. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, he was really good at hyping them up.
1: But um, yeah. that's called marketing, Jason.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, but we, uh, we, it was in Montebello, so it was eight hours away. Oh and, yeah, beautiful. Uh, we Able to go to that, and I was like, we're definitely going because we're going to be there every year, and we're going to be a player. And like, I didn't know how long that would take. Um, <laughs> I thought it would take less time, but uh, I wanted to set that standard and. That trip was a disaster. Like we, like a kid, literally got a stress fracture. I think on the warm up, and he was like, "Wow, something popped in my leg. I can't." <laughs> and then I had a kid throw up on the way to the meet. He had food poisoning. So then our men's team, which was a blessing, we didn't score as a men's team, and we did score as a women's team at regionals that year. And so we had like three guys finish, and I think we would have finished last if we would have finished as a team. So it was lucky that we didn't probably finish as a team. Um, but that meet was a disaster, um, and uh, yeah, it kind of set the bar for the next year. Like we it can only go up from here, guys. Um, but yeah, that was the state at the top of the job at the time. It was it was not the school wasn't very healthy, um, you know, financially. And I think they were um, we had a new AD who was trying to try to do some exciting things, but you know, struggling to get things accomplished. And and so it wasn't it wasn't. A great when I
1: stepped in. So when you're, when you're in a situation like that, <clears throat> there's a million things you can do to, to make the program better. Uh, there's a million different ideas and thoughts and actions that you can do. Uh, but kind of the 80-20 rule, there's probably about three things that you re- like we have to start doing these three things and accomplish these three things really well. Uh, If we don't get to number 99 on the list, we'll still be okay. But if we don't do number one, two, or three, we're in trouble. What were, as you start, you know, understand the landscape of what's in front of you uh, that regional meet and things like that, what were the two or three things that was like, okay, I know I need to, to accomplish these tasks at a very high level for us to, to grow within our goals.
2: Yeah. I think the main thing was setting expectations as far as practice Mm. and just the basics of like, you need to show up to practice, you need to be on time to practice. we are going to practice. (laughs) I mean, that was not a given, Uh, Uh, you know, I think, and, and, and and another shout out, you know, uh, he, he's no longer with us, uh, but um, you know, the, the, the head coach, um, Bill Haggerty that was here before, um, he, he was an older gentleman. He had kind of been there a long time. He was a great guy, but he had, he had kind of just, I mean, again, the, the things, you know, his life and where he was at at that point, he didn't put a lot of focus in. He didn't put a lot of time. He kind of just, whoever showed up, he was he was there to help him. And he was very, very good at the support side. And if somebody, you know, had a mom in the hospital or somebody's aunt died, he was going to be there. And, like, mm-hmm. I learned that from him because he was around a little bit after I got the job. And, um, he was very good at that. Um, but the, the, it, the program had been left. Lab- kind of to just kind of do his own thing for a while um so nothing bad but just kind of just yeah. these kids have just been left alone for a while um and so setting that precedent of like practice is at this time we're going to practice this many times um this is the expectation um that was huge i bought new uniforms and i bought them shoes for the first time ever and they were like wow um and i think that to a certain level you know you start to feel that. one of the girls she said she expected to feel like she was at a college program when she went to college and she didn't feel like
3: that
1: she first is that it. is that pride and again you, you know yeah. some people have challenged me that when i say uh ego's not bad 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 ego is bad but pride would be my example of like okay can, you can give me examples of good pride and bad pride can't you like pride's yeah. not bad bad not pride, pride is not bad
2: not being prideful but having pride in what you do
1: right yeah 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 yeah
2: you know be feeling legitimate feeling like you're invested in feeling like you you know you matter and feeling like you you're i mean it's cross-country i mean it's not they're not having homecoming cross-country meets in high school i mean at a lot of places or if anywhere mm-hmm. like we're already kind of the group that's like oh yeah they go run it can't be that hard mm-hmm. and it doesn't have a lot of respect our sport of track and field every four right. years people care about it but after right. that they don't as a general public so you have to instill you know, be pride Have pride in your sport, and have yeah. pride in what you do. You're a college, like you said, you're a college athlete, no matter what. Right. A lot, a lot of people get to do that, and so yeah, you know, I bought them uniforms. And I bought them shoes, and and uh, not a lot of shoes, one pair. Here you go. You yeah. Know? Um. But um. And then the other thing I think um was recruiting. We just had to get better athletes, better runners, and people that you know the sport mattered to them, uh, and and it was a priority. And we, we were hit and miss the first couple of years because, you know, you're recruiting to what you have. And I remember sitting down with a young man who came in and helped us a lot. Um, he, you know, how how's your team? Oh, horrible. We're terrible. And he's like, whoa, really? I was like, yeah, that's why we need you. We need you to come in, help us out. Um, you know, and I didn't mean that a bad against anybody here. I just meant we weren't very good. That's why, that's why we're talking to you. You can change it around, you know, and um, – so we needed to get better athletes too. I mean, when it comes down to it, when you have, you know, you have a guy running 1030 in the two mile, or you have a guy running 930 in the two mile. You know, there's a lot of intangibles, but like, you know, having a better athlete to start with, is, is always a little bit better. But,
1: you yeah, know, that's- Jason, I, I hope as the host here that I'm doing a good job of helping you share your story and painting the pictures for our listeners. Because what you just described there, I, I feel like this spectrum of, going all the way back to Anderson of this well of course he's going to hire me I, I'm, of course I'm going to get a job I brought you championships all the way over to now this side of the spectrum where you look at a recruit and instead of saying yeah we're good yeah I'm the best coach for you or I'm the best coach there is we're going to be a whether you sign or not we're going to be national champions here boss but instead the the ego the bad ego dropped the humility showed up and you're like, yeah, yeah, we're not very good. <laughs> I mean, we need you. Like, this is about you, kid. We need you. Like the, the, the almost transformation of your, I'm not sure the word here, but the transformation of how you carried yourself thought of yourself, thought of others is remarkable to this point, Jason. I mean, from really like, I mean, I, I kind of get this picture of like, I don't know that I would have liked Jason, back in Anderson and Erskine days. I'm not, I'm not sure. I I just, I don't know. Like maybe I'd have avoided Jason at convention. I'm like, Hey, Jason's just going to tell me how great they're doing. And by the way, they were seventh in their conference, you know, all this. And now it's like, Oh man, Jason, like Jason's going to be real and open and authentic and honest with me when I talk to him, like, like I, I, I say, I just hope, you know, this is some of the responsibility I have as the host. Here. I just hope that people are, are hearing the, the listen to the change in words, go back and listen to the first 15, 20 minutes of the words he was using to describe himself back then. And now look at the actions and the words that you're using today, Jason. I, I just, that story, that seemed like a very kind of throwaway story. Like, oh yeah, we had a recruit and I just told them, you know, we weren't very good because well, that was the truth. That story shows a lot about your character. Development through these really short amount of years, by the way. We you know you're not 60 here. We're not getting ready to to retire. You still got a long career ahead of you. Uh I'm just so impressed and proud of you for the, the the transformation that you have occurred. And I'm sure I know uh your wife has spoken into that transformation. Your dad and parents and uh mentors, your your old coach Anderson have been like, uh certainly Amy has been a part of that development of like oh you know what i'm i'm not the best by the way i'm never going to be the best what is the best by the way coaching track and field i don't even know what that is I, I really don't no one wins national titles every year and has no transfers and uh, all have 4.0 gpa no one has that. that that would be the best but we're going to be the best that we can be and serve our our young kids and that's what you're you're doing at a much better way today than you were yesterday and that is all we can ask is get better every day i'm just so impressed jason really am
2: Thank you. Well, that, well, don't you just said getting better every day, that's kind of what we ask of our athletes. And so that's, that's something that, um, yeah, I mean, we're all on a journey in our lives and I think. Bingo. Coaches get really frustrated with athletes when they don't have a level of maturity that they think they should have, but it takes experiences for them to get there. And I, I. They're,
1: they're on their own journey. Yeah. They're They're on their own journey.
2: Very frustrated with freshmen a lot of times, but like, they don't know what they don't know. And like, and and I have to sometimes step back and my assistant coaches and I talk about it a lot. And like, yeah, they, it, you know, they wouldn't make these decisions if they were mature, but they can't be mature
1: without making these decisions. <laughs> oh, and, wait, wait, say that again. Hold up. That, I feel like that was like a truth bomb right there. Say that again. Uh, yeah. I mean, they,
2: they can't be, you know, they wanted to be mature and you know, they can't be mature uh they make these i don't know i can't really (laughs) we gotta get
1: this right i i believe you said someone's gonna tweet me at this right now that you're listening to so we get this right we want them to be mature as freshmen in this example but they can't be mature without making those mistakes yeah yeah dude like a lot of us coaches if we just remembered that we would be able to uh, let go of some of the stress i mean we get stressed uh i'm a Parent of a uh, 12 year old and a a nine year old. And I get, I get stress and anger. Like, why aren't they doing this? And I forget, like, oh, first of all, they're 12 and nine. Second of all, they're not going to become a great adult if they don't make these kind of mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's a little bit of our, I don't know, kind of ego state this would be, but this, this not Napoleon, some kind of complex of like, oh, but I'm their savior. I'm their coach or I'm their dad. If they would just listen, they would live a perfectly Great life, they, if they would just listen, and it's like, well, that's not true at all. Actually, you, you have to go through those hardships, those bad decisions, those things that you don't have any control over happening to you, and overcome them to become the person that you are today and the person I am today, etc. So that was a truth bomb right there, brother. Man, wow! So give us where yeah, we are. So. What's that? I
2: love metaphors. That so truth bomb. That was. I
1: was loved. It. That was great. Uh, Two hundred and four episodes, and no one's ever said it that way, my friend. I, I love it. So don't put, put pause on the future. Don't, don't step into the future here. So, But give us now today, 2022, 2023, what does Catawba look like? You had nine kids, a linebacker as your number five. Shout out to that guy. Uh, is that still what you're doing today? No, no.
2: Um, so we added track and field. And I literally have a 60-page write-up that I I wrote up the plan, salaries, coaches, scholarships, budgets, uh, state of track and field in North Carolina and Southeast and what we could bring in and all this stuff. And, you know, I, we added track and field. They decided to go with that plan in 2017, 2018. Um, cause we aligned with what the school needed. We needed more people and they saw track and field as a way to do that. And so that's one of the things I learned very early on is if you want to get something done, you gotta, you gotta find a way to make it, you know, uh, beneficial to everybody and especially the ones that can make it happen. Um, So, yeah, we're currently, we have, you know, we have a full program of cross-country indoor track and field. Um, We have two full-time staff, myself and my sprint hurdles coach. Um, We have two part-time assistants as well, a jumps field events coach um, and a assistant cross-country coach who's a former alumni. Um, And, yeah, we have have 15 15 guys, 10 girls this year on the distance team alone. We have about 65 on the roster um and we've yeah we've we've had i my wife gives me perspective all the time i you know you, we look at all the schools in our conference and like ah, everybody's so good they're doing this but we're not where we were we've come a long way and i try to focus on that every once in a while but obviously in coaching you're very competitive and you're in the your heads down here this meet next meet conference and this season and, you know we're not where we need it. we need to be here and like recruiting and um, but when you step back, yeah, we've come a long ways. And it's been a lot of – I mean, another shout-out, Max Coleman, Bob Marchinko, uh, currently you know, Sterling Jones, um, and our assistant coaches that we've had that have come along and helped me do things that I couldn't have done by myself. And and that's huge shout-out to Max Coleman, who's at UNC Wilmington now, and also Bob Marchinko, who's the head coach at Five for Now, who – he changed the culture of our distance program and set us in a direction that we're in now where we've had a men's team qualified last year to national and a women's team qualified this year. Hopefully I think both teams will qualify next year and we'll be there every year um, from now on that is the standard. And he, he set that up with the way he, he helped get the program going over the years.
1: The problems and issues that you tackle today are different than what they were when you first started. I mean, for crying you have three times the amount of kids on your team just on the cross-country side, nine kids to 25, uh, not to mention the 60 plus on the entire program. You're hiring and evaluating assistant coaches. You're working with administration on different things where are you at today uh, mentor wise, as far as like, Hey, when I get into a pickle when there's a uh, frustrated or just can't figure out what my, my, our next step might be, who, who, is there anybody that you're comfortable with uh, uh, shouting out that you reach out to for, for that kind of that's a different advice than you needed when you first started.
2: Yeah. Well, Amy Sego comes to mind. I mean, I still reach out to her. Um, Saw her to meet this past weekend um, and the week before that. Um, I, you know, I, I I get a good perspective from her and um, we always have good conversations and we've we've talked from everything from facilities getting built and the frustration with trying to get things done there with administration to mental health and the current state of student athletes and where things are heading and where things are now and how to handle things and how to go about things and to disciplinary issues on the team and, um, you know, how to set that standard, how to deal with things like that. And, um, and then a lot of coaches in our conference. I'm very, you know, I'm very close with a couple of the coaches in our conference, and we're very competitive against each other. But also, we talk a lot about budgets and issues with kids on the team and uh, administration and all those things too. And I think it's always good to just—it's good to just sit around and, and, you know, this from being a coach is—you'll go to a meet. And it's just good to sit around everybody and commiserate sometimes about like, oh, you got this, or well, listen to this, and like you just hear that everybody's got issues and everybody's got struggles and. You know, like you said, from Florida down to, you know, Florida Tech to, you know, anybody in between, you know, community yeah. college. I mean, everybody has their issues they're dealing with. they are different issues and, you know, it's issues I wish I had. I wish, I wish I had to make a decision on how many hurdles to buy next year. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, but yeah, it's, it's, everybody has issues. And so right now, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, you know, and then my, my past uh, head coach that I had at Anderson, Randy Greer, um, I don't, he's not coaching anymore. But uh, you know I reach out to him and talk to him sometimes too about how we used to do things and um, he's he's fun to talk about on like perspective of how far you know things have come as well. So um,
1: yeah well, I, I, I want to encourage what you guys do there at the conference, you know, having those open conversations, about well, what what are your resources look like? What's kind of budget do you guys have? What 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 is your administration telling you what next year might look like, etc. Uh, along with salaries, to be real frank, which is a tough conversation. I get it. Um, you know, um, um, Marvin Bracy just uh, had a great interview with Sidious, uh, I think is how you pronounce it. Magazine, uh, kind of opening up about how the professional track and field world. Works and uh, Justin Gatlin has a podcast. His first couple of episodes, he talks about you know contracts and things like that. Those are our conversations that help move the sport forward. Those conversations that you and the conference uh, coaches, uh, peers are having are are really important. Like that's how we 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 raise the entire profession of coaching track and field. You know we need to have salaries raised up. You know we're uh, I'd love for our top end guys to make even more money. Uh, I mean I, I want. Whoever those guys and gals are that make the top money, I want you to make double. I really do. Uh, and just as importantly, I need the floor. I want the, uh, the part time, well, I don't want any more part time assistance. I want them all full time, to be honest with you. But I need those guys and gals to be making 50, 60, 80, 90, 100,000 at the minimum so they can support their families and their dreams, their passions, their charities. Uh, but we don't get that way if we guard if we have the uh that mindset that there's a limited amount for everybody you know that that the that salary and and budgets are are a piece of pie so if your pie's bigger that means i'm getting a smaller piece of pie we need to have the abundance mindset that hey if you know what we're all making here well that maybe gives me uh some impetus to go to my ad and say hey boss man what's what's going on here i mean we're being successful we're hitting the goals uh whether it's performance or uh roster sizes, et cetera. and you you got me in 11th like there's only nine teams in the conference, yeah. and I'm the eleventh yeah. best paid yeah. person. That's
3: funny, that's
2: funny, funny number for you picked there. No,
1: uh, uh, okay. <laughs> Sometimes I, I I get lucky. I, I hit that dart yeah, right yeah, there in the middle.
2: Yeah, no, but I, mean, I think that's the thing that um yeah, it's good to have those conversations. Um, a lot of times it's it's therapeutic as coaches to have those conversations with sure. other people struggling with the same thing you are,
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and uh, to know that you're not alone deal with that. I mean, the first year we had a track, it was a Disaster. Disaster. Like issues with kids on the team, people getting in trouble, people, you know, with drinking and all this sudden, like, you know, anything you name it, like we had it. Yeah, my phone, I was I would get nervous hearing my phone Mm -hmm. go off. And um first two months were just disaster. And Mm -hmm. going to convention that fall and talking to other coaches who had started the programs from scratch and hearing Mm like, Oh man, it was oh yeah, I got some stories for you. Like this Mm -hmm. is and seeing where they are now and, and getting some respect. I came back from that. My, my, assistant and myself came back from that being like, Oh man, that was awesome. Oh good.
1: It's, it's not <laughs> me.
2: <laughs> it's not so I think that's the beauty of, of our sport is that, yeah, we are so kind of niche and we are so like mm-hmm. on our own. We're not, you know, we're not Nick Saban. We're not, you know, you know, you know, college basketball and all that. We're, track and field across and country and people don't know a lot about our sport, but you know, when you have coaches that, you know, you really can identify with um, that know exactly what you're talking about and dealing with and that's it's, it is therapeutic to a sense. And I think that it's, it's, you know, it's very, very helpful.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And, and maybe the, they already do this, but you know, I'd encourage USTFCCCA to have a real deep dive into budgets which is support and then salaries as well from a not only a divisional level, but even down to the conference level, uh, you know, you can, uh, and you should probably uh, uh, in, a, in, a, in a night, make it anonymous. Uh, yeah. I went to school in Alabama. So I don't really know all these big words, but keep it anonymous, whatever that means. Uh, but, but again, you know, having eyesight on these things is important to our profession and will help us get better.
2: And I'd go one step further and say that, you know, Mike, like the way that the NCAA has put an emphasis recently and the world has put an emphasis on mental health of athletes, student athletes, student athletes, student, these coaches
1: are struggling. Amen. Like, Amen.
2: they, like the things that we're attacked with on a daily basis of like, you, did, did you say that wrong? Who did you say that to? Did you say, did you, did you, you can't do And like, and like the things that we are, you know, and then the budget concerns and this, and we need to do this, but we can't have this, this, or this resource. And, but if you don't, and, and like, and the family life and being away from family all the time and and being poor. I mean, I have a a five-year-old and a six-year-old that, Mm -hmm. you know, every weekend currently, like, they're like, you know, it's, they're crying when I leave. And like, that's hard on somebody, you know, and and hopefully it's hard on people, you know, you want it to be hard because it should matter. But like the mental health aspect of coaches in this profession and how coaches are, they're dropping like flies. People are like, I can't, I didn't get into it for this. And I think that's one thing that, I've talked to Amy Sego about is it like there's all these talks that should be taking place about student athletes' mental health and helping them and mm-hmm. they're obviously you know, a, you know, a part of life where they're figuring out who they are. But I think coaches too like have like I mean, there's no resources really, no no formal resource or formal talks about like mental health of coaches and like helping them because then if they're healthy, they can help these student athletes.
1: I, I think you're you're spot on. In fact, you know, what you kind of just helped me there is uh here soon we're gonna have uh the great Dave Smith from Oklahoma State on the podcast. Uh we haven't recorded yet. Uh we have a date on the calendar. And one of the topics that I'd love to talk with him, you know, because he's very uh influential on cross country as it relates to track and things like that. And I really thought uh and I'm not sure. You tell me if this happened in Division Two, II, Division Three. Maybe I'm just naive to it. But on Division One, uh, because of COVID, it went to the national championship. was like March. I don't know. I'm gonna say March 13th. It was like a week. The weekend after NCAA Indoor Nationals, and I thought even through all the, you know, difficulties that came because it was the first time we had it. So we had, you know, had to do cross country season during indoor and all that. I was like, oh man, maybe this will be the impetus. Maybe people will see like, oh man, through the fall, I didn't have to try because as a distance coach, you know, non-distance coach here, but I'm sprints, jumps and hurdles. uh, But I still every weekend travel for recruiting and things like that. But for a distance coach, you're, you're, you're 365. You're, You're either recruiting or at a meet every stinking weekend. Right. And so I thought it's like, Oh man, this cross country thing in March, I bet it went off like a bang. It was awesome. And, the, and all the coaches are going to be like, Hey, you know what? It was really nice to have a, a fall off to where I could okay. spend more time with my family. And I thought it would stick. I really did. I, I was like, Oh, this is going to be, this is going to be the new way. And this is going to be great. By the way, it lines up with the international schedules for cross. I was like, it's a no brainer. And here we are back on Thanksgiving weekend or whatever it is. We're doing cross country nationals again. So we're doing all the fall. So that's uh, I was going to, I'm going to talk to Dave about that, but you, you helped me with kind of an angle of like, yeah like I want to know from him, like, Hey Dave, you know, you're high powered. You're you're, I mean, no one's traveling more than you for cross country meets and recruiting and stuff like that what was the mental health for you and your family? Like, like, should we get back to that? Like, is he a, a proponent or opponent of that? I, I'm, I'm going to ask that uh, with, with Dave Smith. So I appreciate you you helping with that. Because I agree 100%. I think our coaches are undervalued, underpaid, underappreciated. Uh, and that's, you know, one of the things we started the podcast for was to help kind of raise that statute. No one was interviewing the the rock stars that are the coaches. And that's what, that's what we started to do. And we're going to continue doing for, for many, many seasons. Uh, all right, Jason, wrap us up here. We're getting close to our time. Uh, we talked about what the 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 beginning of Catawba looked like for you. We got to today. What's got you excited about the future? And you dictate that, whether it's this season, five seasons, what's got you excited there for Catawba College?
3: Yeah,
2: um, I think there's the cliche thing that every coach is expected to say, like, oh, it's going to be everything's looking good. Like, we're doing a lot better <laughs> now. But, um, it's true here. Like, we're in a new kind of new era at Catawba. Um, we've had some, you know, as a small private school, funding and, and and um, you know, budget and all that are, are always a concern, especially, you know, where it's enrollment driven and things like that. Um, and then we're still a little bit there, but like we've had some donors in the past two years that have stepped up and given huge donations to this school that have gotten us out of some, you know, financial issues um, that every school deals with um, and also has set us on a trajectory for like the future and and kind of speeding up the future. Um, and bringing it more to you know maybe 15 20 year outlook is maybe a two to five year outlook now and so we have a new athletic director who is extremely supportive and extremely competitive which is a breath of fresh air that's good no, yeah I wasn't but like i think that um michelle can our new athletic director is you know she means what she says and and that that's something that is um you know you know we we've we had a certain brand before apparel and now we have a different brand of apparel that came, you know, right as she got here. And she said, we're switching we're moving and we're, you know, we're trying to make some changes and get these students excited. And, um, you know, facilities are in the talks right now. And, um, we're working with a, you know, possible, you know, collaboration with the community to build a community track facility that would be our home. And, um, you know, I'm excited about that opportunity because I'm not the only person talking about it now, which the track coach always, who doesn't have a track, always talks about well, maybe getting a track, maybe getting a track.
1: Yeah, We need um, others but, saying that, too. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Um, but when the president and other people in the community and the school district and other people that you've heard of are having this conversation excited about partnering together, and there's a timeline that's kind of close uh, that's exciting. Um, when there's those kind of things on it, then it gets you excited. Um but also just, you know, the type of athletes we have now, the su- success we've had recently, you know, we want, you know, to be a player every year the national stage with cross country and indoor and outdoor. And we've got to the point now where last year, I mean, one of the things that I think I can, and not to brag, but like these athletes on our team, we had a men's cross country team make nationals last year. So that's the 10K. Um, a team made it in the 10K pretty much. And we had our men's four by one almost made it to outdoor nationals last year. They were the first team out, um, which hurt, but you're talking about the range of the four by one. Right. A crew making it to the national level. And like that's something that I think as a small school and the resources cool.
3: we have, I very think
2: cool. that's be excited about and know that like, you know, we have some very good recruits coming next year, you know, funding and, and facilities and our athletic director and, you know, nutrition and things like that, they're making changes here that are you know, visible and that um, it's the most exciting time we've ever had. With the success that we had in the fall, our women's basketball team made it to the final four. Our women's soccer team is extremely competitive. And, and the students, student athletes overall, at the school and the students at the school are very proud of their school right mm. now. So that's, that's a good thing that you can't just manufacture. It, it, it right. happened with the culture change.
1: Yeah, I tell you, Jason, you know, one of the things we believe in here is that healthy things grow, right? If you think about everything from a garden to yourself to, you know, your children, healthy things grow. Uh, and so it's so cool to see Catawba go from, you know, barely nine cross-country runners to uh, one step away from qualifying the four by one. And the I think that's so cool. I re, I, I thought that was a great example. I thought that's so cool about depth uh, of your program. So I love, we love seeing that growth there. We love seeing the growth of new facilities, of course, because that's going to help you you've had this growth up to now, a new facility is going to help you take a whole nother yeah, exactly, leap exactly. for for growth. And then the other thing, really the most important thing, Jason, the growth of you uh, that we've touched on here, man, I just think, you know, uh, I got you at the right time on this podcast. Uh, it's going to be awesome to get you back on in in season number 15, and see how the continued growth has been because you, you've, you're a changed person who you are, Today is not who you were back in Anderson, and what's awesome is who you are tomorrow is not who you were today. You know, you continue to grow and develop, and have great people like your wife and your family and your kids, your your physical, your actual kids, and then your kids on the team, your administration. Those are those kind of people are just pouring into you, uh, making you a better uh, coach a better person every day. So it's just been just awesome to see the growth uh, that you're leading there, Kitaba, and that you're leading with yourself as well. Thank you. Jason, thanks again for being here, man. You know, um, I'm always uh, just so humbled when coaches, not only, first of all, when you agree to be on the show, because that's its own thing to be on the show and kind of bare your soul. And and I give you no guidance. So you're kind of like, what is Mike going to ask me? What are we going to do? So I'm just so, so grateful for that. But also to do it during the middle of track season to me is... Uh, I know how busy you are. In fact, I don't know how busy you are. I just know you're extremely busy. So to spend, you know, two hours with me, man, uh, I'm just so grateful, just so humbled uh, that you do it for us and for our listeners. And just uh, so, just awesome to see and hear your story and share it with our listeners and and the fact that it's going to have on them. Uh, We brought up some amazing topics today from mental health of coaches. That's extremely important. Leadership. Uh, You know, your three. I put you on the spot, and you've nailed it. By the way, the three things that you had to accomplish when you got there. those three things that you mentioned, setting expectations, instilling pride and recruiting, that's going to help. There's a, there's a coach out right now that's listening that just took those notes and was like, Oh, thank you. Okay. Now I have direction. I have focus on what I'm doing. So you provided a lot of value today and I'm just so, so thankful for, for you and and what you're, what you did today and what you're uh, continuing to do as a coach of young people uh, in the uh, college ranks. Thank you, Mike. Thanks
2: for having me. And thanks
1: for, thanks for doing this podcast. I, I uh,
2: I've listened over the years a little bit, but I've I've definitely you know I've I appreciate the insight and kind of being able to you know go on those van rides sometimes when you're in a van by yourself and turn this on and hear other coaches' perspectives and stuff. So thanks for having me and thanks for doing this.
1: Awesome, man. Well, you guys keep listening. and We'll keep doing it. We've got—I've already got our next four or five uh, guests lined up, and it, it don't stop. You know, I told you it's kind of like Pokemon. I got to catch them all. I want every coach uh, on the program, and we only do fifty-two a year, so it's going to take me a while. But uh, you know, I, I already mentioned season fifteen, so I'm kind of committed for at least another eleven years to do this. And we're going to keep doing it, keep having fun. So keep listening. Uh, maybe share it with another coach out there that uh, could uh, receive value from Jason and other people's story. And we'll just—we'll uh, just come back next week and do it all over again. Thanks for being here, guys. Have a great week.